There's no doubt that the game has changed, and we are changing with it. Welcome to Season 2, because in this season, it is all about how we become and stay operational. How we're ready for every moment of our life on and off the job. I'm your host, Jeff Fanman. Thanks for joining me, and let's get down to it. This podcast is brought to you as a part of the Operational Mindset Foundation. Our mission is to mentally, physically, and emotionally prepare you for the challenges you're going to face on and off the job. It's funded through donations, sponsorships, and our work with departments across the U.S. Get involved with us by visiting opmindset.org. That's opmindset.org. There you can find out how to bring a new level of training to your department and how to help us expand the conversation. Now, let's fire up today's episode. All right, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. I got a chance to connect with Sashik Gupta over at Conscious Creators through some mutual friends. And, you know, we decided to, instead of me going on his show, him coming on mine, trying to figure all that out, we just went for it and recorded a show that's now going to be published on uh, both our podcasts. So, I think you're going to enjoy today's episode because we're getting a chance to look at some things through a different lens, through a different light, from a total different community. And the conversation, in my opinion, was fantastic. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Cool. Let's do it, man. I'll let you take the lead on it. Yep. Um that can be part of the conversation. Uh, I was because I was going to say I'll let you take the lead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you go first. <laughs> so um, we're we're doing a, a sort of different episode. Um, I'm here with my friend Jeff, who was introduced to me by my friend Mike, um, who's also going to be on the show. Um, Jeff, uh, welcome. I guess it's for both of our shows. Um, yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And I think I just I think with, with everything we're recording this uh, towards the end of April, um, we obviously have the COVID pandemic um, going through the world. And I'm curious actually um, how you've thought of that with everything with podcasting and stuff. Cause I've seen some podcasters have completely ignored it. Um, for me personally, I actually didn't publish for having published since like the first week of March and I'm going to start again because I almost felt it would be like wrong to do it or wrong to ignore it until I kind of like have a sense of what I want to do with it. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm still recording episodes and not, publishing. I'm curious, like how you've thought of that in in, in the frame of like everything else you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like we discussed, I mean, my audience is in it right now, right? So they're running the calls, they're dealing with it. They're dealing with it, showing up the hospital. Um, you know, they are the first responders, they are the military community. And so, uh, they're kind of in it. And, you know, what I, what I've been trying to balance is this pathway between continuing the conversations that we have on the show, right? Continuing the conversations that we have in the episodes. Uh, But then I think for my audience, this just requires a deeper look at some stuff. So we've talked about, um, I've had uh, spouses on, you know, a a woman who runs kind of a spouses group for for, uh, wives of firefighters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've talked about relationship and we've talked about communication and we've talked about you know, mutual level of understanding and respect. So it's brought those things up for us. It's a, 
it's a good time for us to have those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, and then I brought other guys in there. Uh, you know, I brought like Elliot Rowe back in and we talked about, you know, how to do moments of recovery and meditation or self-hypnosis and those things. So what tools can I offer my community that they may not have be familiar with or be exposed to? And then, and then, you know, and then we're kind of talking about aftermath and, you know, we were just talking before the show, like this week's episode with, or, you know, this show with Preston Klein, mm-hmm. um, looking at residue, looking at like things that are left behind. And so it's, to me, I'm just, I've kind of kept on pace. This hasn't mm-hmm. really shifted stuff for me in a lot of ways. And I think maybe that's the answer is because it felt wrong for me to ignore it. Right. right. Which is what I saw some people do. And I think given sort of like your background, you're probably way better at this, which is like just sort of um, accepting what is and still going and, and doing what you're supposed to within that. And and I also actually wanted to just take a quick tangent to say, because, especially because you mentioned your audience is like a lot of like first responders and all, um, just sort of like acknowledge like the, the privilege, privilege we have that we even get to like have this conversation because um, what they're going through and what they're doing for, for the country is insane and amazing. And just want to say thank you to that um, because a lot of people aren't doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. We had this conversation. I think this goes, and I'm a big guy on translating everything, right? It's not just like, and, and, you know, Katie and I talked about it a little bit, like we have this perception that it's us and them, right? That there's this normal world of business people or entrepreneurs or, you know, people that go to work every day. So there's, and then you have this other world that is, you know, the emergency responders. And we don't often realize that like, um, you know, when this kicked off, I had a buddy of mine who's a SWAT commander and a captain in a major metro department, um, you know, and they're dealing with challenges because both he and his mm-hmm. wife are first responders. Mm-hmm. So who's watching the kids? Who's managing this? Who's going to work? Who's not? You know, so we have all the normal life because half these people, you know, run a business or do stuff on their side. So they have both worlds they've got to mm-hmm. live in now. And, you know, sometimes we do forget that, you know, the fire truck screaming down the street you know, they've got a whole life and they've got a whole family they're worried about as well. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they're just, they're dealing with the challenges mm-hmm. everyone else is dealing with. They're not mm-hmm. e- excluded from the crisis because they happen to be trained a certain way or do a certain job. Exactly. And I think, that, I think that that's something I've seen, which is for people I know who, who maybe don't have first responders and all or as friends or, or know them, um, there was a there was a period where it wasn't real and maybe people were feeling in denial that they didn't want to accept it um and what i've sort of seen recently is it, the the moment it sort of like flips is when someone has someone they know that gets affected sure and then it becomes really real um and um and you, you started talking about this before we started recording. And I was like, no, let's stop now because I want to ask about the in, in interview. Um, let's talk about the the thing that you mentioned, residue. Um, because yeah. I'm really curious about that too. Yeah, this was uh this was a crazy conversation. So Preston Klein, former uh director of leadership ventures at Wharton, now runs uh, uh Mission Critical Teams Institute. Kind of his life has been in the analysis of people like me and my communities. Right. And he's been privileged and he's brilliant. He is really one of the smartest people I know. Uh, and I always say one of the coolest academics I know, cause they'll just hang out with you. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. he had just recently published a paper he's been working on for about 18 months uh, titled Residue, right? Processing Extreme Experiences. Um, and this conversation came about through an opportunity had to meet uh, Tom Hardy at an event, the actor. Um, and I guess Tom had done a lot of research and some had been given some of Preston's quiet research, a lot of mm-hmm. re- the research not classified, but just quietly in the community uh, that he had done. And and Tom had read all of it. And then he engages him in a conversation. He's like, well, what about residue? And Preston kind of does that. Huh? What? What do you mean? I've never heard that before. And he was describing you know, going from Bane and Batman to, you know, the next role and carrying, because he's a method actor, so he deeply embeds everything, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like a lot of us, you know, we deeply embed kind of who we are, whether we're an entrepreneur or firefighter. Identities. Yeah, it's it's Mm -hmm. embedded in us, but that is not the totality of our life, right? And so how do we process that so we actually operate from a place of wisdom and joy, not pain and sorrow? and be able to transition kind of through our lives moment by moment by moment. So it was, uh, the paper's up for free. Um, it is up on, uh, mindset radio Preston's like, get it out there, share it as much as you want. And, and I find relevance in that stuff to every aspect of my life, not just, you know, it's not just kind of in a box. Um, so for any of your audience, we can put it into our show notes or whatever else as well, Mm -hmm. um, and share it out there. Uh, but it, it's interesting because what I think it does for us is, and especially, you know, related to your stuff, where we're talking about developing a higher level of consciousness or a deeper understanding of self and others. Um, I think what it does is it introduces a new terminology that helps us separate trauma in a way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and Mike talked about it, you know, on our show when, when we did our episode and, and it was a perfect comment. You know, Mike said, it's not the trauma Olympics. It's not like my trauma is better than your trauma, you know, or I have more trauma right. than you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I feel like the introduction of this idea of residue, kind of what's left behind, it's like, okay, I can acknowledge that and then transition through that and utilize that rather than have that be some scarring effect. Mm-hmm. Is that? Uh, I love that. It reminds me of this quote from, I think like Carl Jung, which is, um, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will drive your life and you will call it fate. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I remember reading that in a book and it just stopped me in my tracks. Cause I think a lot of it. Um, so it's funny, right? Cause, cause you mentioned self and others mm-hmm. and there, there's that self like yourself and other, other people. But I think that actually exists within ourselves too, where we have like different parts and cells that we've created over time. And um, I've, personally found and and talking to a lot of creators definitely is a a lot of what creation becomes is figuring out and finding and accepting different parts of yourself. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it translates, right? It, this is, this is what's cool to me when we get into these conversations, because Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're both actually trying to do the same thing in our respective communities, right? We're both really trying to uh, contribute in a way to to show some pathways, right? Mm -hmm. And so like we were talking beforehand about what operational mindset is, Uh, right? We were having this conversation about what is this? What does this mean? How does this translate to all of us? And, you know, it's very interesting for me, like I wrote that program 
oh, I don't know, like 15 years ago. Um, Do you want to give a quick summary of also like what it is uh, for people yeah. that, that are listening? Yeah, yeah totally. 100%. So, uh, and, and I'll give you a little bit of background to it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was at the agency, we were teaching, well, part of our responsibility was also to teach what I call the general population. And, um, and when you say the agency, just because uh, I don't think we did CIA, say it in the CIA, yeah. right? Yeah, we can say it. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. They can, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, so I spent a decade uh, over at CIA. And it was very interesting. What people a lot of don't know about the organization, it's like it's a very non-gun, non-violent organization. Mm -hmm. Like 99% of the people that work there don't come to work there because they think they're going to be, you know, Jason Bourne or you know, running the streets or carrying guns. That's not, that's actually not the way it works. Um, you know, there's a lot of an analysis. There's a lot of people there that, you know, are brilliant at what they do. And um, part of the role I had in the office that I worked at, we also were responsible for training what we called the general population of the mm -hmm. organization. You know, if they're deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan or places, they have to be qualified on certain weapons, right? Um, and they don't really want to be there. They don't really mm -hmm. want that, but it's a requirement. And it was interesting because when I first got there, they were teaching a course called Combat Mindset. And I sat in this course the first time and I'm like, okay, none of these people are going to combat. Nobody. Mm -hmm. They may be operating in high stress environments or combat style environments or combat environments. None of them are going. And so to me, we're teaching a class on mindset and the title slide is the incorrect mindset we need to have. And so when I went back and started doing my deep dive and doing my research and looking at human behavior and human behavior in high stress environments, the shift became, how do we create an operational mindset? Because at the end of the day, whether we're running a business, whether we're running operations, whether we're an analyst, whether or whether we go to work, we are all have a part of our lives that, that, that we have that I would define as operational, mm -hmm. right? And then what are the, what are the criterias for a high rate of success in there? And so kind of being the geek that I am, I wanted to put teachable and test, testable measures in place to assess, do I have mm -hmm. an operational mindset? And then came the math calculation and the math calculation of, uh, what am I solving for? And this will be interesting because this is why I want to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. So in an operational mindset, what we're always solving for is what I call our C3. And that is our comfort, our confidence, and our creativity. And so what that looks like is it's, it's the ability to be uh, comfortable in highly uncomfortable situations. That may be raising money. That may be making a pitch. That may be trying to close a deal. That may mm -hmm. be negotiating the release of a family with a known terrorist. That may be, right? I mean, it all goes in right. to play. So I need to know myself well enough to be comfortable in the most uncomfortable places. Mm -hmm. Then two, in the confidence, it's that knowledge of self that I have a capacity to be there, that I've earned the right to be there, that I am skilled and knowledgeable and capable. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not proved by anybody else. That's, that's proof to self. And then the last part in being creative, it's like, I may not know the answer. I don't have to know the answer, but I will figure it out. Right. I know that nothing's going to go the way I planned. I know that crap is going to happen and show up in my space. But, but based on the fact that I'm comfortable and I'm confident, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll navigate mm -hmm. it. I'll move 10 degrees left or right. I'll adjust 
you know, and I'm, and I get into that flow state really in my operations. Um, and that goes back to what you were saying. And that the catalyst for all of that is a level of openness that really exceeds the average person. Mm -hmm. So that really, in essence, is what an operational mindset is. What I loved in that is the way you define confidence, um, because I think for a lot of people, um, confidence can be about something external and, and kind of like how the world looks at them and all of this and all these things. And I was I was listening to, I was like, oh, everything he said about confidence is actually in some ways accepting internally and really knowing who you are. Yeah. Um, what are some tools that have been helped or tools or tactics, I guess, that have been helpful for you to like gain that? Or if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I want to get, be more confident. I understand it's not about external. Like what are things they can do right now to, to, to cultivate yeah. that? I mean, I think it's been, you know, it, this is interesting. This is why I love these conversations because I've had to dip way outside of my world, mm -hmm. you know, into a whole other extreme world that, you know, my community may be like, all right, Jeff, you're getting a little hippy dippy on me, or you're getting a little, you know, out there on me. Uh -huh. um, but I think they go to the practices of, you know, meditation, of quietness, of a hyper presence, of a, of a, of like you talked about bringing the unconscious to the conscious state mm -hmm. of being able to look at, um, what has had an impact on me in my life. Right. I mean, I just, uh, tools wise, I mean, I, I try to get my guys meditating on a regular basis because listen, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what style you want to use or who you like or whatever else. Just, just be quiet. Just shut up and be quiet for a minute. Like, mm -hmm. Listen to the internal for a minute but don't give it credibility. Right. Um, I think confidence can come into play in a major way when I can transition from, from the internal voice to the observer, right. When I can mm -hmm. actually begin to see what's unfolding and see the conversations that are going on internally going on in my head. Um, and so a lot of that comes through, you know, they all boil down to things, you know, rhythmic breathing, solid, not breath work, like the extreme breath work, but just creating that flow pattern, mm -hmm. um, you know, aligning the, uh, central nervous system, but does radically, you know, does makes radical changes in, and how I perceive myself and then how I'm navigating the world around me. So, you know, I think just the willingness to pause mm -hmm. in moments, and this is what I saw in my research when I interviewed you know, the best of the best, all the SEAL Team 6 guys, you know, Dev Group, the Delta guys, all the, you know, top performers and even pro sports and pro athletes and mm -hmm. top business leaders. They all shared, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they all shared a common trait, which was this willingness to pause before action. And that went from firefights to business deals to anything. It was like this confidence showed up when I'm willing to be quiet, when I'm willing to like assess when I'm willing to. So what's the, what's the practical, like right now application of that? Pause. Mm -hmm. Literally, if you feel yourself needing to be in motion, train yourself to sit back and observe mm -hmm. and pause, observe others around you observe what's actually happening, which will then lead to an observation of self, right? But you got to practice observation mm -hmm. before you can really begin to observe yourself. So that's what I like. That's why the meditation, that's why those pause, mm -hmm. that's why those practices. 
What, what, what I love about is the simplicity of that. Um, we were talking a little bit before about like biohacking and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, I think like it's like everyone looks for, and I've done it in the past, like all of these hacks. Um, yeah. What I've realized is like, and I interviewed um, Stephen Kotler of the Flow Institute yesterday. And just the same thing came up, which is like all those, everything at the end of the day goes back to simple things, simple tactics. Like one that's been super helpful for me um, came up in an interview a few weeks ago and I've tried this multiple times since then. And it's been amazing is when you're feeling like overwhelmed or you're trying to figure something out, take a notebook. Um, and it's actually way better if you just start it in the morning without looking at your phone, write down whatever you're trying to figure out and then just write for at least 45 minutes and, mm-hmm. and no editing, just keep writing because will you come up with towards the end of like, end of it because the first 30 minutes you're just writing everything you've been thinking over and over again right sure and, and afterwards what you come up with is actually like the creative part of you that like starts like figuring things out because now you've created space and i think that goes so so much with what you're saying about pausing yeah it is and that's that's the that's the good word you know learning how to create space or give space in the environment right to let things let not only you breathe, but let everything else breathe around you, like just and like allowing it to be what it is, um, because it is we 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 consistently, you know, we're, we're just always on the move. And I don't care whether it's my community or your community. I mean, because I've been, you know, an entrepreneur and built businesses and everything else. And I've, you know, I get in it, man. I just get all in it and I don't give myself the space to like look at it and what needs to be done and what actions do I need to take? I always love to say, you know, the situation or the environment, it will tell you what needs to be done mm-hmm. if you're present to it, right? If you can actually see it, but we're always thinking about tomorrow, next week, next month, what do I need to do next quarter, you know, and then we just start building those roadblocks. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the the funny thing to me about this exploration from my position is, the tools are the tools, man. Your world, my world, our worlds, mm-hmm. the, the, the fundamental aspects are the fundamental aspects. And so, and I have to take things like that because my community would be like 45 minutes. You need me to take 45 minutes in the morning. You're out of your mind. That means I got to get up at like, you know, three 30 to have my time to do this, to do that. And some, you know, some of them, it, it just doesn't work. So I've had to condense some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, we talk heavy about, uh, like defining transition, defining moments of transition, um, moving from one segment of life to the next segment of life, mm-hmm. you know, so, cause that's somewhat what you're doing in that, in that state, um, car rides, transportation, like any, any clearly defined point of transition is a great opportunity for settling and putting myself in the condition I need to be in for what's coming right? Mm-hmm. For what's happening and what's coming, you know, and that goes, if I'm coming home from a rough day, multiple fires or, you know, high rates of exposure, whatever else, how do I transition from that world to my home life? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if I've had a bad day at work or I've had, you know, rough, uh, a deal go bad or I've lost stuff, you know, and that's, I think what a lot of the business community is dealing with right now. How am I going to pay my people? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to survive business? Are we going to be able to do these things? It's like, now I, yeah. And if I don't, if I, if I don't intentionally make a transition, then I'm carrying all that right into my relationships or, you know, other people around me, you know what I mean? If I don't, 
we are who we are and we are who we are 24 seven. But it's like, how do I, you know, I, I read a book the other day that talked about like energetic consent and how do I get consent to share energy? You know, I don't want to walk into my house after a really tough day and dump all my, you know, fireman crap or my, I mean, the decade I worked for the agency was taught, was hard mm -hmm. for me. And so it was a big failure point for me because I was just, I was locked into being a certain way pretty much 24 seven, 365 days a year. Can you talk? So, so two questions. Um, one is, can you talk about what was sort of like the failure point and, and why? And, and this is some, this isn't a question I've been experimenting with that I love, which is like, we all hear about people who work at the agency and CIA and everything, right? What do most people not understand about what that actually means? Okay. All right. So let's say, let's answer that one first. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what people, I think there's, you know, clearly movies, TV, movies, TV shows, books. Um, it is very romanticized, right? Mm -hmm. That this, this idea of, um, of what life looks like in that world. And uh, it is, in some respects, it's very normal. In some respects, it's not. But it is an, it is an entry point into uh, a world most people don't ever touch mm -hmm. um, in dealing with uh, real issues, right, on a global scale. It's the ability to, uh, I, I loved it. I loved my chance to be engaged with people in the world and come with a level of respect for who they are and what they were trying to accomplish in their own country and their own space and their own time. Um, you know, everybody kind of wants the same thing. They want stability. They want safety. They want their kids to be able to grow up. They don't have to worry about things. And, um, you know, and then everybody's got their opinion about how that unfolds. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is, uh, I think what people miss is living a life like that. It's a constant negotiation with yourself and people around you. Like it's constant give and take. It's constant understanding. It's constant, um, uh, openness, mm -hmm. right? If I come in with an American ideal about things to a foreign country, they're not going to work. They're going to look at me and be like, dude, get out of here. You know what I mean? This is because that doesn't work for us. Um, and there's, there are some brilliant people that work there. It is, it is such an eclectic environment. There are incredibly smart and incredibly brilliant people there that are really dedicated to, um, to a world that looks very different. And I don't think people get that at their core. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there's a lot of perception about it. There's a lot of politics around it, but when you strip all that away, the day in and day out people that are committed, whether it's the agency or state department or whatever else, they're really committed to a world that looks radically different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that looks very stable and very peaceful. Uh, and, and that's what I liked about it. I, I got a lot of respect for people that, that mm -hmm. work there. Um, so, that was, that's kind of the context that I carry mm -hmm. for that organization. Um, and then for me, I think the, the struggles that I faced, the, failure, the kind of critical failure points I had, and it was a lot like running a business in some ways because I never had an off point. My deployment cycle wasn't like I was gone for six months or I was gone for a year and then I'd be home. Like it was sporadic, gone for a couple of weeks, home for a week or two or a day or two or even a month or two, right? Um, and there was never like a, a defined flow. Mm -hmm. And I, what one area that I, that I really, I failed to do was in the absence of someone defining 
how things worked. I didn't define it. Like I didn't create a clear separation of worlds and lives. Um, <coughs> and, uh, and so I was just always kind of either living in the last operation or living in the next operation. And that didn't give a lot of space for me to just be you know? in, in the middle of those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and be with the people that existed in the middle of those, right. Mm -hmm. Be with my wife and kids at time, be with my friends at times. Um, it was all, it was very difficult for me. And I mean, I say even biologically creating that anxious, that state of anxiety, that constant state of stress, that constant exposure. I didn't sleep at night for a decade. Mm -hmm. I only, I only slept on the physically only slept when the sun came up. I would lay in bed at night in my home in the United States, wide awake. And the minute the sun broke, the minute I got first light out, uh, it was, well, it was, was it just because of the time zones or what was the reason? No, that was because that was because the sun goes down. I'm on. I'm, oh, interesting. You know, okay. Yeah. My, I was locked into such a high state of arousal and, you know, my, I lived in fight or flight. 24 7 365 um and you know and it was interesting even when i left the agency and built my first business i could see the same pattern of behavior existing there because i'm always thinking about what do i need to do tomorrow how are we going to get funding mm -hmm. are we going to land this contract are we going to do this are we going to do that what am i doing leaving my people you know what i mean and so i just kind of kept myself in this perpetual state of what happened and what might happen and never understood how to just be mm -hmm present and available oh. so so this is really interesting I'll, I'll give a different context and um part of me also yeah, is like please. is this what was the thing that you said like that mike talked about the word he used for like the 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 oh the, the trauma, olympics. trauma olympics yeah exactly right yeah. Like, there's a part of me that's like oh we're just talk, talking about like creating stuff which is way less high stakes than we are talking about but um one of the things i've been looking at is um just sort of like creators and musicians and like different artists right and um a question that came up was if you want to create something great, do you have to be obsessed? Right. Because if you, mm. if you look at like anyone who like creates, it's sort of the same thing where you basically just go into it, go all out. I remember when I created my podcast, I was just completely all in, didn't really spend time with friends. Cause it was just like, you, your mind is just consumed, right? You, you sort of like write or like produce till whenever fall asleep, you wake up, you're in front of your notebook. It's sort of like what you see with a lot of like, writers and all right and um i'm curious um in the work now you've done so you've worked with people at the agency and stuff now you work with like business people and all um is this just table stakes to do work that's amazing or create something that's great that you have to do it do it like this or is that not required all right so let me get clear on the question mm-hmm so do you feel like, are you asking if we, if we have to like trigger into some state of obsession or even hyper obsession at times mm -hmm. in order to cross the threshold in order to be there? Right. Like, like, could you have done the work that you did at the agency and been as good as you were without that? Um, and I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I think the, the question is, is it, 
you know, this would be my brain. It's like, is it, and, and talk with me here, give me your mm -hmm. thoughts on this. Right. Um, is it obsession? Is it dedication? Is it commitment? Like, like what bracket does it fall into? Or I would add, like, is it fear that you're trying to prove something? And that's why yeah. you keep doing or, it. Are you, yeah, I think, you know, this is, this is the thing, like in the whole, in the methodology I developed in the whole operational mindset, operational life cycle, tangible methodology I developed, what the initiating point is, am I operating with intention or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and really defining that up front, like what is my intentionality and then what is my driver for purpose? So this goes to like what you were just saying, am I operating in a context of fear mm -hmm. of not enough? of not being good enough of still trying to prove myself to my dad right of still trying to you know um be whatever it is i whatever the the residue is from mm -hmm. childhood from growing up whatever the trauma is from childhood and growing up is that driving me in this way or am i choosing what I'm doing and being intentional about it and then being committed to something because I believe it will make a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think that, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of our community, um, you know, speaking for them, I think it's a, I think it's probably a split. I think it's a 50, 50 split half are driven by a real commitment to serve and support mm -hmm. and, deliver. And then I think the other half is driven by some, uh, either ego, you know, sense or some have to, or some sense of proving worth or some fear mm -hmm. that they're not good enough or will be looked at a certain way. I think it's a split down the line. Um, that, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, one, one of the things I found over the last year for myself was definitely it, a lot of the creative stuff I did was driven from this idea of not enough or, or proving something. Um, I'm curious, like if you look at look back at the work that you did at the agency and everywhere else, where where did that come from from for you? Yeah, I think that I think you know, and we talked about this. Like I had Phil McKernan on the show, and we talked about, uh, and then a couple of other people. You Philip know, Philip is amazing. I'm I can't wait to have him on some point. I cried. I'm the host crying on the show. Like it was just like, dude, Phil, you you can't even be in your space without like, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing because we talked about a lot of this, why we choose the path we choose, how we end up in the state we are, what our truth is, right? I mean, that's really it. Like, how do we get in touch with? who we are and why we do what we do. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of, a lot of look for me over time because I didn't come from a family history of this, you know, my life, it was all happenstance. It was all opportunity presented. And I took the opportunity in front of me, mm -hmm. uh, at each, each phase, you know, I mean, I started riding fire trucks at the age of 16 outside DC, um, and then got hired right out of high school and then got bored and, had an opportunity to join the army and did that. And then, you know, after I transitioned out, had an opportunity to go to work for the agency and did that. And it wasn't like planned per se. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I do think for me, when I look back now, uh, a lot of the choices I made and the things I did, it was mu it's much easier for me to be in the world of chaos. 
much easier to control the external chaos than it is to control the, in, the, the external mm -hmm. rather than the internal chaos. And so, you know, doing the, putting myself on the couch, that's what I have seen. And I'm super thankful I did my, I, I, I mm -hmm. did what I did. I'm super thankful I had the opportunities uh, to do what I did. I don't look back at it with a level of resentment, but a level of insight. And I make the comment now, it's like, and this is part of this conversation. And this is what I'm going to put back on you. You know, how do we as people begin to elevate our consciousness? How do we begin to elevate our awareness? What do we learn and where can we learn that? Because where I feel like I've gotten to doing all the work I've done and, and doing the stuff. If I could go back and do it again, if I could, uh, with this level of consciousness, I'd have been a total badass. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have had to carry all the, the garbage I carried for so long in it. And it would have reduced, you know, the feelings of shame or guilt or not good enough or mm -hmm. fearful or whatever those things are. And so, you know, I, I would flip this back to you as well, because, you know, this is your world. Like how do, how do we collectively elevate our consciousness? How do we elevate our awareness? How do we begin to reach a point where looking inside isn't scary, you know, mm -hmm. isn't, isn't fearful. Um, and then how do we leverage that to be a better human and a better operator or a better business person or a better creator or whatever it may be? You know, how do we have find freedom in our music? Because fundamentally, there's no difference between finding freedom in music and finding freedom operating around the world, mm -hmm. right? It's still freedom. So right. how have you seen that unfold? All right, we're going to take a quick break to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by Brute Force Training. When you're ready to be in the physical condition necessary to meet the rigors, demands, and expectations of your profession, then check out the team over at BruteForceTraining.com and pick up their gear. I promise you, it will put you in the condition you need to be in for this moment and the next. You can use the discount code OPMINDSET, that's OP Mindset, and the team will take a little bit off the top for you. Now, always remember, train accordingly. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll share a few things, and it's interesting. Um, as you said that, like, in your world, you figured out, or, or you didn't use those exact words, I felt this like almost like this like clenching internally because I'm like, wait, I need to say something that sounds really smart because I figured this out, right? But I, and I think that was actually the the so I'll share like a few things that have helped me. Like, and the first yeah. one has been letting go of that expectation of having everything figured out. Um, and one of the things that I've had the sort of like privilege of working with is a lot of creators that were top of their game right? And like podcasting and authors and stuff like number one podcasters, New York Times bestselling authors and stuff. And I remember um, sort of like going back to that, like not enough thing. I used to put them on a pedestal and and see there was something different, which is why I wanted to work with them. And um, every time I worked with someone, I realized, oh, they actually don't have everything perfect. Um, and, 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 and sort of like, which led to this acceptance that people who are at the top are doing it not because of they're perfect, they have their things or problems and issues. They're doing it in spite and despite that, that um, which then created sort of um, like, like you were talking about, like if I look back, I could have been like, oh yeah, like if I didn't have all this shame or all these different things. Um, and so first it was almost like, like I was like creating the split. I was like, oh, like if I didn't have those things, could have been a better person, um, which, which this goes into this like discussion of identity. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've been in, in programs for business where um, literally people, we were told to create this identity thing of who you would be like five years later, how you would dress, what you would wear, um, how your hair looked. And really like what that is saying is who you are right now is not enough, right? Um, and and so, so for me was at some point it became, oh, it actually starts with accepting um, every part of yourself. Um, I'm actually going to look this up really quick. Um, yeah. There's this uh, movie um, by called Andy and Me, which is about Jim Carrey, where he plays um, the comedian, I think, Andy Kaufman. Okay. And, and there's a quote from Jim Carrey, and he just goes, it's, I stopped when I wrote this quote. He goes, at some point, when you create yourself to make it, you're going to have to either let that creation go and take a chance on being loved or hated for who you really are, or you're going to have to kill who you really are and fall into your grave, grasping onto a character that you never were. Mm-hmm. And I just remember hearing it and I was like, whoa. Um, Cause I think like, especially in, if you look at the world of like musicians and all, you almost have to create this persona and identity, right? Like um, Kobe with the black Mamba, um, another book that's in, in sort of like in the business circle, which is really good, is like Todd Herman's Alter Ego about creating yeah, Alter Todd, Ego. Todd's coming on the show, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think um, I, I get the purpose of doing all of these things, but there's also a part of me that's like, are we creating sort of like these identities or monsters, which is creating, in, in that we're saying we don't accept a part of ourselves because I think a lot of it goes back to accepting yourself. Um, I'm currently listening to this book called Radical Acceptance, um, mm. which again, like... It, I think like you were saying in your world, it'd be like, oh, maybe it's like too like woo, right? For me, a year ago, I would have like looked at the title and been like, what is that? Um, but I think it's, yeah. it, it, and I, what I'm seeing, it, and I think all of these things have like massive depths, right? Because it's not like one to one to one. It's like you go really deep. And I think I'm at the surface still. I think acceptance actually sort of unlocks this level of performance that I haven't seen because you're not fighting with yourself anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, what have you, this is, I, yes, 100%, because I'm curious, like what, I think we get into this world where it's like, what are the things to do now? Mm-hmm. Right. We, we want the Seven Eleven answer to developing ourselves. We want the Seven Eleven answer to, you know, to performance. We want the 7-Eleven answer to, you know, it's the Snickers bar effect. I'll walk in, I use Snickers, it tastes great. I feel good for about 15 minutes. And then I've got this crash on the other end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a long journey and it begins in certain places. And I love this idea that it begins with acceptance. I mean, what, what got you there? What, what brought you, can you see mm-hmm. what even led you down the road to, oh, wait a minute, I have to accept myself. And once I accept myself, there's actually going to be some freedom in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'll share sort of like what I've discovered in the last year and a half. Um, it, w- it was one taking sort of like a look back at my career and realizing I spent almost 10 years like building platforms and supporting uh, platforms for like other well-known creators. And then looking back to when I was a kid and realizing, oh, I was actually like a creator myself. I was an artist. Like I used to do art, but felt that my art wasn't that good. So I stopped. And um, and a book I recommend that is phenomenal is uh, Reboot by Jerry Colonna, who's like a, he's he's probably one of the finest executive coaches um, 
especially for Silicon Valley CEOs. I actually did an episode with him a week ago. And literally, like, you will hear me in the episode just sort of in, a, in, in the best way possible. I think, like, lose control after 10 minutes because he just, like, <laughs> figures me out and says something. And I'm like, uh-oh. Damn it. <laughs> um, sort of like what you wait, had. With, I'm the host here. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> you had with, like, Philip McKernan, right? Um, yeah. So, so it was one, it was, like, d- sort of, like, uncovering that story of, like, oh, this is why I've been doing it. And, and when I discovered that, I was like, oh, okay, so. I've always felt like what I created would not be good enough. So I have to change that, which is why I started a podcast, right? Um, so then I started a podcast and I'd spent all, a long time doing growth. So I knew what I was doing. Um, so we first launched the podcast and I've never talked about this part of the story. We launched it in mid-December um, and actually backing up a little bit. Um, the world I've also lived in has been podcasters and creators at the top of their game. So like, I remember we did marketing for a book and it hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list. And I remember personally feeling like we'd failed because it didn't hit number one. So just realizing like, it didn't even like occur to me, like those are like really crazy expectations, right? So like I launched my podcast and like, it got like, I don't know, like tens or hundreds of downloads because that's what happens at the start. And I was like, oh man, I failed. Like this is mid-December. So I went back home um, to, to my brother's place in San Francisco, took time off. And I was like, I need to figure out this and found someone who figured out the algorithm and, and came back. And we did like what we did for marketing and mid Jan, which is like still within 30 days of launching the podcast, we hit number two on business and number 25 across all us podcasts, wow. which is insane for a new podcast without an audience. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I remember feeling, I actually, I, I, we hit number two on business and my response was not acceptance or like, this is amazing. It was, how do I get to number one? I actually remember I wrote this thing called the last mile, started sending it to friends being like, Hey, can you do this? I have to get to number one. And we didn't because like number one was like uh, Jim Cramer and it was like hard to beat. And for the next week or two, I was, it was like a feeling of failure. Cause it was like, I didn't hit number one. And then talking to a few mentors and, and realizing like, this is insane because Number two in that context is really, really good. And so, and I think that was part of the reason why I didn't publish for a bit because I was like, I need to figure this out because if I don't, this loop will continue to drive me, right? So one of the things, and I I still work at this, which is um, we're working on this other project now around COVID to raise funds for artists, um, where we now have like a documentary coming out and and all of these things. And even with the people like on conversations, I'm like, I want to make this really big, but also, I want to acknowledge and accept that what we've done, like we went from this, none of the people knowing each other to this group of volunteers that's now making a podcast and documentary and everyone's working for free because they care about the cause. It's like, what we're creating is amazing. So it actually doesn't matter if one person sees it or a hundred or a hundred thousand, like what we've done is amazing. And just kind of like accepting that. Um, and, and have to, and I personally have to like keep revisiting that because I'll have that. And then the next oh, morning yeah. I'll wake up and I'll be like, how do we get to number one? Um, and if we don't get to number one, it's a failure. Um, yeah. because I think I'm just, and I don't, I think that probably comes from childhood is like just so wired with that. Um, and, um, I think a lot of this is also comes from having people around you who will call you out. Um, so that interview with Jerry, I remember, uh, sending it to a, a mentor of mine. I'm like, I screwed up. I fucked up that interview really bad. Like, can you listen to it? Tell me what you think. And he listened to it and he goes, I kept listening and I don't see anything. And I was like, I was going to email him and tell him that I'm going to delete this. Can we do it again or whatever? And he was like, I'm glad you told me because I thought like 
being hard on yourself was like a little issue for you. Now we know it's like a, it's a big problem. Um, and I think a lot of these things then become just like daily practices where you have to just keep reminding yourself, um, no, this is good enough. This is okay. This is good. Um, so that's sort of a long-winded answer to that question of how I started figuring these things out and, and how I'm learning to deal with them. I, that's, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I think fundamentally we learn when we tell stories mm -hmm. and that's because it's alive, right? That right there is not some fix. That's a, that's impressive, man. I mean, cause that's, cause we all do that, dude. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's, we can, we are our own worst enemy mm -hmm. and we really, uh, we don't give ourselves enough credit. It's like, I'm not okay, cool. Cause I, I had the same thing. I even told Mike the other day, we're, sitting there before this whole thing started having a glass of wine and i was like you know i mean mike's i don't know almost 10 years younger than i am and for me i felt uh i don't know if subservient is really the word but but smaller than him mm -hmm. right because maybe i didn't have his financial success or i haven't had even done what he's done and uh and it's cool to like be in a spot where i'm actually feeling who i am right mm -hmm. but, uh, I've, you know, at mastermind talks, I had you know, one of the gray beers pull me aside after being in one of our sessions and listening to me introduce myself. And this was a big catalyst for change for me in a lot of ways. He said, Jeff, he said, you will never introduce yourself like that again, because you will never minimize your background or, 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 you know, pacify your life or anything else ever again. And, mm -hmm. and it was interesting. Like he came out. I think he came out with like Dan Martell and did a live shoot or something uh, at one point. And again, you know, new audience and I reintroduced myself and he kind of pulled me aside and was like, yes, yes. Like <laughs> that's who I want to hang out with. That's the guy. So right. I think we, you know, we live in this world where, where we don't, we don't find the confidence of what we've done of what we've accomplished, you know, freaking number two, man. I mean, crushed it like, mm -hmm. dude, you know, if I was your buddy and see, I'd be looking at you going, dude, what do you mean? Look at what you just accomplished. Right. And, and, and do we even allow that to set in with, with us when we hear that from our community or people mm -hmm. around you, when we, when we acknowledge each other, you know, I mean, we, and we don't, and I think as a community, we don't always do that enough. You know, this was somewhat what Preston and I talked about on the episode was like, just taking a moment to be like, man, I'm really proud of you for right. doing that or, you know, and, and giving that back because here's the crazy thing for me. I now, even when I go to the grocery store, I don't see people. I see their children, their children. Mm -hmm. now. Like if somebody's got an attitude or somebody's upset or somebody's kind of in that, meh, you know, cut you off mode or anything else. I don't see that as the adult person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, and it causes me to be like, man, I just want to give you a hug. What's going on? Like that, that, that's a kid in you, right? What are you struggling with? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's coming from somewhere else. And, um, man, that's, I think that's, I think we all, I know that resonates with my community mm -hmm. because we, we never feel good enough. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter what rank we achieve, you know, what, you know, if we're not, if we're not at the right firehouse or we're not making SWAT or we're not making detective or we're not making certain things, right? There's always, there's always some idea that something is better, mm -hmm. right. you know, on the other side. Yeah. And yeah. Well, one thing you shared in there where you said shared like you, uh, when you met with Mike and, and you were feeling self-serving, right? Like this is something that was 
that's been helpful for me recently, which is like, I, as a kid, I used to like love playing video games, right? So I started asking this question, which is like, like how do we actually measure success or, or whatever the word is, right? And I, I realized what we do is we basically look at like just like one indicator, right? So like, like if we're looking at like business, it's like money. If he's made more money, then he's more successful. And I realized it's actually more like a video game. So I don't know if you've played like those like Mortal Kombat or all the fighting video games, right? You, you, yeah. you like start playing and then you like pick your character. And then there's like all these different attributes, right? Like strength, agility, speed or whatever, right? And everyone has different scores in each of them, right? And what we really are is, is a composite of those scores. And I realized that's the same for us, right? So like maybe Mike might have a higher score than you in financial success. But if you look at like other attributes, maybe there's one attribute where he's going, man, I oh, really want to be like, 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 him. Exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Totally. And it's like, so like, like start, when I started looking at this composite, I was like, oh, okay. The, the pressure sort of like went down because I was like, oh, there's other things that I am doing that other people want to learn from me. So it's not just about one thing. It's, it's, it's a composite. And what happens is um, I, I love this quote from Sally Hogshead, which is different is better than better. So instead of trying to be better than something, I'm like, how do we be different? Um, so when I started my podcast, I was first trying to like look at like all the people that I worked with and kind of like look at their interview styles. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be better than them than them. So I'm playing their game. There's no way I'm going to win. So how do I play a different game? And for me, that usually comes from like merging a few different things and then making that sort of like my blue ocean and, and trying to be different in that. Um, that was one thing that came up. And the other thing, um, and we can come back to this, but I just wanted to acknowledge that, which is you, you talked about sort of just like appreciating things. And I think men especially don't do that, which is if you just start going to your friends and saying something along the lines of, I will give you the script, which is I appreciate you or I appreciate when you do this because this is how it makes me feel or this is how it helps me. Um, it opens up a completely different depth to a relationship. Um, yes. I found that in the last year, last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and, and especially in my world, you know, it, it's, we don't do that stuff, <laughs> right? It's suck it up. It's deal with it. It's, you know, uh, uh, there's, you know, I used to say the only acceptable emotion kind of across the entirety of the community is anger. Like you can't, you can't be too happy about things because then something's wrong. You can't be sad about things because then you're showing weakness, but you can be angry because mm -hmm. anger drives action and violence, right? And so, you know, if you look at it, it makes sense from a human factor standpoint, um, but the damage, but then you're rewarded for that. So then that becomes a new reward system. Mm -hmm. And then you're just promoted as, you know, get angry at it, you know, and you hear it in workouts, you hear it in, you know, on the range or doing things like, you know, get angry at it, mm -hmm. you know, do this, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's gross in sure. a lot of ways when now being out of it, looking at it. Um, but you know, I want to go ahead. Quick thing on anger. There's actually, and I'm literally like paraphrasing Jerry Colonna, who I mentioned, um, there's also like different kinds of anger. So yeah. he, he actually has, and it's, it's funny cause I did a video in him and I could see it on his, uh, desk. He actually has two action figures, Hulk and Thor. Because Hulk anger is, I'm going to just really get angry and just blow everything up, right? And then Thor angry is about other people. It's about justice. It's about protecting his people, 
Um, so anger also can have different shades. Um, yeah. And I, when he shared that, I found that really interesting is uh, Hulk versus Thor. And he actually has those action figures on his desk to remind him daily about those different kinds of anger. I like that. I may be ordering some. some <laughs> because, because in Thor, there's like an element of justice to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Purpose and service and yeah. Protection and hmm, interesting. That's it. I may, we may have to, we may have to actually have a, maybe and I'll circle back up and do another show and like to look at that and maybe do a three-way with him or something mm-hmm. and, and, you know, dissect that because I think that is uh, contextualizing something very important. What, what, is, what are you thinking about? What is coming up? Curious. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing the, I, I'm, I think part of the problem, you know, this goes back to why we have these conversations, why I felt like this was so important for, for my community, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we operate off of, in most cases, very common and simple definitions. If somebody said, you walked down the street today and said, you know, give me anger. What does anger look like? Very few would be able to dissect it or be able to even just give that answer. Well, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. What what are you speaking about? Like what anger are you speaking into? Like you wouldn't get that from somebody. Right. You would get kind of this common and almost complacent com- you know, definition of mm-hmm. things. What is happiness? What is anger? What is anxiety? What does this feel like? And you know, I'm just, my, my mind races back to look at my own life around things. And, it, and it's, and I think that's a, that's a tool. That's an ability to, to really firewall out judgment of self. I was angry or I'm upset or whatever it is versus a purposeful, you know, I'm angry at the way society is working and I'm committed to shifting that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, it's like it, it, they produce two very different actions, right? They produce two very different behaviors given those, mm-hmm. those points. And so I was just, I was just kind of reflecting on life. I could see like, yeah, where that shows up. So very, it's a pretty powerful idea uh, when you begin to look at it and you know, I hope everybody kind of is, is sitting back right now going, oh, wait a minute. When, when, when am I the Hulk and when am I Thor? When mm-hmm. am I, when are these happening? Uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. I did want to, I did want to jump back for a second mm-hmm. um, because I think this is also the, an important thing um, in what our anchor is, like why and purpose and intention. And it goes back to, I like doing the exercises with everyone where I have them really um, look at their value system and you know there's some neat things out there you can do you know when I feel like when again this is kind of the common state when you say well what are your values well I value my family and I value this Mm -hmm. okay do you you know when you do this analysis of like where you spend your time where you spend your thinking where you spend your energy um, how you approach certain things I think most of us have a skewed idea of what our values are. Definitely. And yeah. And so we're operating from this ideal sense Mm -hmm. of values of what we would like to be perceived as, or how we would like to perceive ourselves versus this real sense of value. And that goes back to like the conversation with Mike, like I, 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 for a long time, I valued 
finances as worth, right? Mm -hmm. So my financial capacity equaled my worth. And I had to be honest with myself and be like, wow, I am holding that as a value. I've been there. Yeah. Do I want to hold that Mm -hmm. as a value or not becomes the next question. And, and I think that's, I think people don't, don't, don't do that because then it goes back to context. And then it goes back to like what we talked about with you. It's like, how do I begin to elevate this level of consciousness? What starts to bring that, that level of self-awareness. And I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like a military operation where you can hit an objective. There's always multiple ways to approach that objective. There's always multiple ways in, and we don't take the opportunity, you know, any road, whatever book, whatever podcast, whatever event, mm-hmm. whatever thing, you know, brings you, uh, you know, starts the, just the crack, right? I mean, I, you don't have to go all the way in. <clears throat> you don't have to like ex- have an expectation that your life is going to be solved in three days and a weekend over something, right? Uh, in a stadium with, you know, 25,000 other people. Uh, it's not going to happen that nope. way. But what it may do is, is put a crack, right? Mm-hmm. It may start a tear in the scene. Um, and so I think just the willingness to put yourself in the conditions or in the space where things begin to open is, is important mm-hmm. for all of us, no matter what our lives are, no matter what our careers are, what they, what it looks like cultures or beliefs or any of that. It's interesting. Hmm. I'm going to be stuck now the rest of the day thinking about the anger thing, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, but when I first read that, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. Because yeah. he talks in the book about how, um, and you like, it's one of the few books I've probably listened to. It's actually one of two books I've listened to more than five times, probably like 10 times. Um, and it's interesting, actually. When I do a new project now, and we're working on launching this project, um, I'll, I'll share a little bit about that because I think it's, it's relevant to what's happening right now called, nice. yeah. um, love spreads and, and sort of the tagline is love, love spreads faster than a virus. Because I think what happens is like when something like, like COVID happens, right. I realized we all sort of like default to what we know. And, and for me and a lot of my friends, like who are like artists and creators were like, what can we do? And we started looking at it. We're like, okay, like we can create art to inspire people, to get them feeling better and, and because in, in something like this, there's always a need for art. I actually didn't even realize this. I started looking this up. When World War II happened, there was this whole need for like almost like propaganda to mobilize the country in, in sort of like one one goal, right? So like um, we're, we're doing that. And um, the two thing, the two books I really like listening to is like one is Relentless by this guy, mm-hmm. Tim Grover, who was yep. Michael Jordan and Kobe's coach. And it's it it, it it's just like motivation to, go for gold and give it your all. But also the book I mentioned, Reboot, which is Be Human. And and it's interesting, like Reboot, the, the subtitle is Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. Um, mm. Because he his premise is that better humans make better leaders and it's all connected. And part of that is growing up, right? And it's just like interesting to see um, sort of going back to like what we were talking about, like what drives people. So what we did was with this project, we've structured it as all the funds that, that it creates, we're going to hopefully give it to like artists that are struggling and have been impacted it by this because then none of us are making any money right now from it. And what it's done is yeah. it's giving us the ability to go to people and be like, hey, we're doing this project. There's no money involved, but we want to collaborate with you. Do you want to do it? And it's brought amazing people to it because it it, it, it kind of like we were talking about values, right? It's like 
when you create that value alignment, the right people show up. So like uh, Jason, who's a podcast producer I've already worked with for years. I told him the idea. He's like, I'm in. Um, and it's just been like insane to see that. I don't know where I was going with this, but um, it just sort of like that brought up. Um, the, the reason I brought this up is I found that as I start accepting all of these different emotions, right? Like anger, rage and different parts, things start becoming much easier and the right people start coming into your life to help you. Um, because I've, I've a lot of projects I've done in the past have been just by myself, right? Because I didn't want to like hire people or whatever. This one has grown from zero to 10 all volunteers in like less than a month. And it's been kind of crazy to like work with that sort of team and that caliber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think when we, I think this, this goes back to this conversation. It's like, what is, what is truly important when you begin to take certain things off the table? And right now, you know, some of those things are off the table by force, right? Mm -hmm. By, by situation, by circumstance. Um, we have to look at what's real. I mean, I, I had no vision of creating a nonprofit and mm -hmm. developing a podcast and um, doing this stuff, but really after kind of being challenged to see what was truly important, like, what do I, what am I offering? What am mm -hmm. I out of service and commitment and contribution? What do I even have? And that's why we started the Operational Mindset Foundation. That's mm -hmm. why we wanted to raise the bar of the conversation in the community uh, because it's very difficult for someone outside of this community to come into this community and try to communicate, right? And try to say, well, you know, like the best best feedback I got, I got from a guy sent, sent me a note on Facebook or uh, Instagram and he's like, he goes, man, you're the first guy I've heard talking about this stuff that isn't full of shit. <laughs> I was like, when you said the stuff, do you mean sort of like the, the, the conscious and self consciousness, right? right? Self-development stuff, like mm -hmm. actually really getting into it. And a guy out of the community sent me a, sent me a note and he goes, man, this is, this is like now date night with my girlfriend and I, you know, cause she's you mm -hmm. know, working on her doctorate in cognitive science or whatever. And so they geek out over some of the stuff we, we discuss. Um, and the feedback's been amazing. I mean, some days it makes me cry because I feel like our community is finally ready for this, mm -hmm. ready to elevate. And, and man, I love it because I feel like I get to contribute now in a way where it's not a financial bracket. It's not a, you know, what does this need to look like? How do we need to do that? How do we keep this conversation rolling in, in a way that, that creates not only a long-term impact, but also, and I treat the podcast <laughs> like, you know, cause if somebody's listening on my end right now, they could complete this podcast and be, you know, chasing a bad guy in a shooting, running into a burning building, you know, cutting somebody out of a car. Like that's the level at which I know I'm communicating at mm -hmm. with the audience. And it's like, what have I given them in this hour or these moments? that will immediately result in a better operational performance mm -hmm. and a better life at home or with friends or with family or whoever it may be. Uh, so, and so, that's, that's so, what I choose. So, so two things on that. Um, well, actually, first one, I'll, I'll ask it in different parts. Does that, cause as you were saying that, like I all felt this like responsibility, right? Cause I'm like, Oh, we're just talking, like, I'm just talking about art and creativity. Like this is so much more important. So, which is like going back to like what Mike said, does that feel like a huge responsibility for you? It doesn't. 
It doesn't. And I, and I could have had it that way. Mm -hmm. I could have carried it. See, this is where I think I've come to. I could have carried it as like, that's my mission and that's my stuff. And I could have created all. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm failing my community. And I felt like that a little bit. I felt tinges of that along the way. But what I have done is I, re I really step back and I really, I listen to, I listen a lot more now <laughs> than I used to. And, and I, I'm offering something mm -hmm. and, and there's a, a, a growing audience that is, that is truly embracing some of this stuff because I'm not, it's not like I'm some guru around this stuff. I'm just right. a dude who has done some shit mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, put subjected myself to now 10 years of like <laughs> healing childhood trauma and, you know, going through this pathway and looking at all these things. And so this to me is more about an opportunity to share mm -hmm. and to be, to open that crack. You know, my hope is that somebody sits in a course or listens to a podcast. That's all I'm doing is tearing a seam. I'm mm -hmm. trying to solve the, solve the problem with them. And that's, I think the approach difference. It's like, what am I like? What are you doing with music? Mm -hmm. Right. What, what does music provide for somebody? You know, and there's the objective there is not an end goal. The objective there is always a beginning. Mm -hmm. Like if I was you know, like, I didn't get, I wasn't musically gifted, unfortunately. I always wanted to be. Yeah, man. I always wanted to be. That, that's always know, a I dream. Always, I think a lot of kids have like, dude, be, a, be a rocker on the stage. No, I didn't want that, man. I want to, I want to be able to break out a simple guitar and sit around the fire with my family and like crank out a song and just be like, like just that. Cause that's what music is to me. It's it, music is an intimate sharing of something. But that's right? interesting that like your dream was that and mine was like be a rocker on stage. Like that probably tells, <laughs> tells you something in there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you totally, I mean, that's uh, I mean, I could see it, but I, that's how I connect mm -hmm. with, with great music. Right. And, and it's always an opener for me. It's always a, music for me is an opportunity to explore something else deeper. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, or a great podcast is an opportunity to explore something deeper. Like mm -hmm. they're always openers for me. They're not, they're not end alls mm -hmm. because I don't think there is an end all, right. It's this, it's a perpetual state of growth. And so for me, I don't, I no longer carry like this need, mm -hmm. you know, I've had a couple of weeks where we don't air a show. Right. Uh, I, I, I had a bit at the end of the year where I was really up against some stuff. I was doing some deep dive work into some areas and I just kind of shut down and went dark. I mean, to the point where I was getting notes from my audience, like, are you okay? Hey, mm -hmm. where are you? Um, and, and that was a good time for me to be like, if I'm not, if I'm not good, I'm, I'm not going to just attempt to put something out. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to force something. So I think this has caused me to be more patient with myself, more kind to myself mm -hmm. um, and give myself a lot more grace because that pays huge dividends out there because then what am I trying to do? Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not trying to save lives. And I mean, I want to shift the, we've had more firefighter, police, EMS suicides. The rates are climbing ridiculous. It's not just 22 veterans a day. It's not just a veteran issue issue. It's not just a, a combat issue. Uh, we literally, we just had a EMS, worker in New York city, uh, EMT in New York city, kill himself like three years on the job, two years on the job, young, young man, young man, good looking, hyper talented, kills himself. Why? Like, yes, I carry that every day that that is a driver for action, 
but I also don't carry that it's my responsibility to save that kid's life. Mm -hmm. Cause the only person that can save that kid's life is that kid. Right. You know? And so my approach to things is less about some grand vision and more about what am I doing every day? How am I contributing? What, what conversation am I having? What, program am I teaching? Mm -hmm. How am I putting things out just to give somebody an opportunity, right? you know, to be, to live a, a more fulfilled life. I don't even like the word better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To, to live a more accepted life, to be uh, more connected with mm -hmm. people around them. Yeah. That's, right. that's my, that's, uh, if that answers your question. No, I love that because I think, and it's something I found, saw in the internet marketing world recently. And I was, when I, when I sort of like started I always try to like look at like what are the like the beliefs of an ecosystem and when I saw that I was like oh there's this thing where like you have to be a guru but like that's actually not what it is right like you can be shoulder to shoulder with someone on the path and give them an idea but it's their path to walk on um I know we're coming up against time so but I wanted to ask about one more thing because yeah one of my favorite things to do is is look at like people's like websites and, and kind of like how they present things and because it always tells a story um and I think your audience probably knows about this but I don't know if you've talked about this at length and I always wanted to ask you about, which is I went to your sponsors page. Um, and the first thing on there is the foundation, which tells me what you care about, right? Because like mostly on the sponsors page people have is how do you give me money or whatever? And, and you're talking about the foundation work you're doing. So um, for, I think for both of our audience, can you talk about that? Because I'm not sure if you've spoken at length about it to even yeah. your audience. Um, it just, to me, looking at that is really inspiring. And I want to make sure you've, I, I want to learn about it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what I looked at in the community, right. Mm -hmm. In terms of the nonprofits that exist out there, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of work focused on what I call cleanup mm -hmm. post event after the fact, post combat, post deployment, post career, a lot of, you know, we, we, I feel like as a society, we carry this idea that I'm a fireman and then I'm not, or mm -hmm. I'm a service member and then I'm not right. Then while I'm there, I'm in the abyss. I'm mm -hmm. in this space and time where I'm okay. I'm doing my job this, and then I'm going to come back out and then you can come back to the tribe, right? You can come back to the herd. And the reason why I created it was my moonshot. My, my real big moonshot is to end cleanup. Mm -hmm. And so I firmly believe that early conversations, early development, uh, teaching, creating just this, you know, new way of approaching life in general will minimize the impact of what a life in service looks like. It's not going to remove things. We're still going to go to war. We're still going to run up against these extreme experiences, some highly traumatic, some damaging. It's going to be there, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, but, you know, you may be rolling down the hill rather than jumping off the cliff off of those, right? The tools, the resources, the ability. I just didn't feel like there was a, a community or a, or a, 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 a point of service that was answering that need, like having the conversation early. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want to wait till the end because we're losing too many people between now and the end. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then we're losing too many people shortly after the end, you know, mm -hmm. when they come back or they retire. Um, and so, you know, the Operational Mindset Foundation was really designed to get out, teach, train, and develop uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally prepare the men and women who choose to place themselves in harm's way because it is a choice to do it um, and give them the tools and resources to live a full life, mm -hmm. 
every single day. And the podcast is a major part of that. The podcast mm -hmm. is our first conversation with a lot of these people and a lot of the community. And so it is our biggest sponsor because that's our gateway, mm -hmm. you know, the foundation. I, I don't want to, the podcast doesn't run for the purpose of sponsorship and generating revenue, mm -hmm. right? The sponsors that we have, you know, brute force sandbags is a huge sponsor of ours. Um, uh, they are because they're, this is their community mm -hmm. and, um, their sponsorship to us doesn't look like, Hey, how to, how do we sell more sandbags? Their sponsorship looks like we care about right. this community. And, um, and so, you know, it's, that's that if you go down those sponsor lists, that's, that's who we have connected with us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, Elliot Rove or prime mind, uh, we just picked up, um, uh, Apollo Neuro, mm -hmm. right? So we've, we've done some stuff. Dave was on the podcast, great show, uh, talking about that particular device. Um, you know, cause they understand the value of what we're trying to do, you know, in a different state. And so, you know, the, the mindset foundation, it's really, you know, we're, we're now, you know, realigning everything to just distribute information, you know, in new ways, mm -hmm. uh, that we can't be in front of the audience, but, uh, but that's really the purpose of it. It's how do we end cleanup? How do we, how do we give somebody who has chosen a different path in their life, has chosen to put themselves at risk, the opportunity to be successful emotionally, you know, uh, and mentally every day. And so that's, you know, that's our, that's our deal, man. I mean, that's it. And it takes, and of course, like anything else, it takes money to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we do our best to raise what we can, um, being business minded. I, you know, I minimize as much as I can, but, uh, um, but that's it. And it's an opportunity to care about, you know, I mean, your audience today, mm -hmm. how many fire trucks pass you, how many ambulances are passing yep. you, how many cop cars are passing you, you know, and that person has to deal with whatever they're dealing with and go home and live a life just like you. Mm -hmm. And, and the systems and the structures and the training and the funding isn't there to support this kind of conversation in their life every day. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. That's mm -hmm. what we're feeling. That's amazing. Um, we usually end with like sharing links and all, but I'm just going to say like everyone listening, go check out opmindset.org. Um, I love the challenge that you have to like train 10,000 people. Um, for people listening, especially like if people in my audience are li listening, um, what are your biggest needs or challenges? Like, like if people are inspired and want to help, like what are things you need help with, with the foundation and how can they help? Dude, I'll tell you right now, one of the biggest needs I need, uh, I need somebody to support me in production of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mm -hmm. need like somebody that can listen to the show, build the show notes, call out the key things and like support me delivering the conversation. Cause I do this, I do it all through, mm -hmm. through and through. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been a big learning lesson for me, but, um, and I was just sharing with somebody the other day. It's like, how do I find an intern? How do I find somebody that can help me? get some of the post-production work done to free me up, you know, we'll say, okay, here's top three talking points for social mm -hmm. media. Here's the snap. You know what I mean? Like, how do we, how do I take like this episode and turn this into meat on the bones for my people? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's a huge support. Uh, I, I can, and, I'm building whole systems for that. So I can definitely help you with that. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. And then, you know, with anything else, it's like, uh, come listen to the conversation a little bit, come get mm -hmm. some insight because that's going to build a closer level of respect and, and, and condition to it. And then of course, you know, 
the funding, you know, the $10 donations, the $25 donations, because we got to pay for the systems and the services. And we're actually right now, uh, my sister, who's a big uh, instructional design person, that's what she does. Mm -hmm. um, she's in the process of taking all of our programs right now and creating them into the snippet bite-sized stuff so we can do an entire, we can push out everything we do online uh, to the community so they can have access to it. Um, you know, but that, but being able to manage those systems, those things just take funds, right? That just takes you know, some money in the door a little bit over time. One thing that might be interesting is uh, one of my friends runs this company called Oddvisor. And what they're working on is creating micro podcasts. So it's basically like three yep. minute snippets. I wonder if there's a way to connect sort of like what you're doing with that and have a section related to what you're doing for people in service and all. And they could just go listen to like micro three minute things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, and then here's what I would ask, you know, your audience is creative. Your audience is, 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 is very creative mind. Like, like do me a favor, go by the website, listen to a show, send me your thoughts, be critical. Like I know more ego. I say mm -hmm. my ego has long been blown out, shot out, burned out of me. You know what I mean? Literally. Like, how, yeah, literally. How do I do better? How do I, um, you know, I, I, I hit a massive rate of consumption and I'm doing my best to do everything. But, you know, right now it's been, you know, lock yourself in a room and learn something and then apply it. Um, I don't we don't have a big team here just because we don't have the funding for it for a team yet mm -hmm. uh, on it. I mean, we just we're fairly new um, and we've got some great people around us. You know, Mike sits on the board mm -hmm. uh, for us and uh, Sherry Walling and a few other people that really contribute to us. Um, but. I'm open. I, you know, support's great. I love support. In <laughs> uh, uh, any way, really, uh, that's, uh, you know, and growing. And if you know somebody, know a fireman, know a cop, know somebody in the military, share, share it out, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, this is a resource. Um, this is a guy from the community. He's not full of shit. He's actually going to call it like he sees it. Uh, and he's going to call bullshit on things you probably think are bullshit. And he's going to talk about it in a credible way. So yeah, that's the other piece to it is just expanding the awareness of what's available. Um, that's perfect. And the website to check out is opmindset.org. Yeah, that's great. And then, man, I this is going to be cool because this will air on both our ends. Um, how do you know? Because I've it's it is funny when you get into the service. People think, well, they're just this. People are. Uh, I've got people from all over the space. A lot of the mm -hmm. a lot of the communities creating businesses or um, looking to elevate their game and doing different things. How do, how does my community find you or find resources or what do they get? You know, so yeah. share that for a minute. Yeah. So, um, I'll actually share a question that I asked myself last year, which led to a lot of this, which was, um, I have this belief that all of us are inherently like creators and as kids we were, um, and, and I think like creation is something that we can take whatever's inside negative or positive and, and actually turn it into something, turn it into art. Right. Um, so the question I asked myself was, what were things that I used to love to do as a kid that I don't do anymore? Or what were things I always wanted to do? And for me, it was like painting and Legos. Like, I love those mm -hmm. things. Um, <laughs> so so it's, it would be like for people like asking themselves that question and just taking a little bit of time in their day to like do art or do music or whatever it was for them. Because I think it, it gives you, like we discussed that like moment of pause, right? And if they want to hear other stories of other creators, um, the website is simple. It's creators.show. Um, 
and I've got artists, I've got CEOs, um, just people from all walks of life. Cause I think really the thing that ties everyone is sort of this idea of like consciousness and wanting to do something different and, and learning more about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Well, I'll make sure that all your stuff is in our show notes as well. Um, uh, because I think it is, it's important. I mean, for me, I was a big woodworker my entire time mm -hmm. with, the, with the agency. I came back and had a great garage and I built stuff. I made things, you know, and I think we have to have, we have to, this is the cool thing about this conversation because, and I'm going to speak to my community for a minute. If you don't have something out and away from mm -hmm. everything else, um, you're missing out, right? You're, there's a, probably an incompletion in the cycle and finding a creative outlet whatever that is, music, art, you know, building things, doing whatever, um, the, the mechanisms that it takes to do that, I think help grow a level of consciousness, grow a level of awareness that is, is critical. So, you know, that's, it's becomes a great resource for it. So you may get some emails like, I don't know. I've always thought about this. What do I do? <laughs> no, perfect. Yeah. Email me. Um, it's just my first name, uh, last name at Gmail. Anyone? Yeah. Feel free to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Hey brother, I, this was rad. Thanks for doing this. I know that we set this up as kind of like, uh, being able to, to push it to mm -hmm. both audiences. I, I think we did a pretty good job. I, I think this was great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I love that we sort of, I, I messaged you last night. I was like, I haven't done my prep. Do we reschedule or whatever, but I'm just so glad that we went for it because yes, it was, it was a healing conversation for me and hopefully for you too. Dude, 100%. I've, I've got some massive things to take away from it. So I really appreciate you and, and the time you took. Awesome. And, and if you're listening, reach out to either me or Jeff and, and let us know what you thought. Um, yeah. and actually, that, that, that is the thing I will end on, which is I think people think people who are doing podcasters and all and they're just doing it. We love listening from back from people about like if it helped or whatever. So, so make sure you do that because I think that's helpful for the guest and the host. 100%. 100%. So thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Today's show was brought to you in part by the Primed Mind app. You know, I've gotten to know Elliot Rowe over some time now and using his app has been a huge game changer for me. It brings together a perfect set of guided meditations that really keep you in the game, whether it's sleep, performance, workouts, resiliency, or making those critical transitions between home and work. The Prime Mind app is my go-to source for putting me in the mental and emotional condition necessary to deal with whatever comes my way. Check it out at mindsetradio.com backslash primed mind. That's P-R-I-M-E-D-M-I-N-D. Download it and check out what Elliot has to offer. Remember, this podcast is only available through your continued support through donations to the Operational Mindset Foundation at opmindset.org and through your engagement with our sponsors. So stop by MindsetRadio.com for all the show notes from today's episode and show some love to all of our sponsors by visiting Mindset.com backslash sponsors. As always, feel free to drop me a note with your thoughts about today's episode or join us on Facebook in the Mindset Radio Facebook group. You could follow us on Instagram at Mindset Radio or over at Twitter at Mindset underscore radio. That's Mindset underscore radio over on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and I'm looking forward to next time. Until then, stay safe and stay operational, my friends.